You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. But we are in a series on joy, which is so timely, you know, coming out of summer and fall, and there's just so much happening, and I love that you start hearing the songs playing in Christmas time about joy, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Everyone starts celebrating the birth of Jesus. Even as I was preparing this message, I looked down my Starbucks cup and it had a little greeting of joy. It's Starbucks. I'm like, do they know that joy is a Christian thing? Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> um, but this whole message is on the topic of joy. I'm sharing a lot about my own personal journey of fighting and leaning on what joy is. So the title of my message is Foundations of Joy. Foundations of Joy. And so we're in this construction project right now. And um, actually, right before we started the project, I heard the Holy Spirit specifically whisper to my heart, pay attention. Pay attention to every single part of this construction project because it's a physical representation of spiritually what I am doing in you and our campus. And so I began to lean into that and ask God, what do you mean by that? And, you know, if you've seen pictures or if you've actually just been here, which we're all here, you can see like walls have been torn down. In our auditorium right now, there are huge balls of metal just hanging from the ceiling and it's just a huge mess. And so I began to ask God, wow, what are you doing? And he said to me through revelation and through speaking to me that our campus is going through some demolition. But when you go through a season of demolition, it reveals your foundation. And we actually have an opportunity to understand what is at our core. And we have an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do some work to lay the proper foundation. One reason why we have this temporary wall is because they're having to put footings in to support a new foundation. And the Holy Spirit wants to do the work in us to support what's coming. Amen. And so today I want to talk about what that looks like in regards to joy. Because I really believe, and as I was studying the word, joy is never a surface thing. Joy is always a core thing. You find that there is joy in hope, that joy is something that comes from really who, the very center of who we are because it's a fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to go through three different areas that we um, use and access joy. My first point is joy is strength. Joy is strength. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that verse actually comes from the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the walls of the temple. Sound familiar? We are rebuilding the walls of our temple right now to make room for a new era of our church. And God has sent Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of the temple but he also was rebuilding the Israelites. You see, the Israelites had just come out of season where they had gone through a lot of really hard generations. And I want to read you a scripture. And the very end of it talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength. So 
If you want to follow along, Nehemiah 8, 9 through 10. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So what this scripture is saying is they all came together after the temple was done, but their foundation was still in their past. And actually for generations, they had skipped over the Feast of the Tabernacle because it had been in ruins. But here they were in this new foundation, in this new tabernacle, and they were weeping and they were mourning. So Nehemiah said, go, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is our strength. So how amazing when you get the context of that scripture, that there were a people who had been through so much that even when they got to the place where the walls were rebuilt, they still were in the mindset of weeping and mourning. When they listened to the law of the Lord, when they listened to the word of the Lord, their mindset, their mentality was in the past. And I believe prophetically that as we are tearing down some walls, as we are putting in new footings, we've gone through seasons of demolition in our own hearts, but we are going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to transition our hearts and understand what that scripture means, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope. So what that means is that we can't see the finished product, right? We can't see what God is going to end up doing. But the commandment is that while we are waiting, while we are in the middle, we are to have joy. We are to have joy. That is our core. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So when everything is going great, you're walking down easy street, it's easy to access happiness, right? Because happiness is something that we actually can conjure up based off of our circumstances. But when we go through trials where our circumstances aren't that happy, the word of the Lord says to be joyful in those things, which is odd, right? Like how, it's such a mind warp to think that when we face trials, we should have joy. Have you ever really allowed God to give you a revelation around that? I know when I was preparing for this, I was thinking about the times in my life where I have experienced the joy of the Lord as my strength. And what a privilege to be able to display that because the world doesn't have access to joy. The world has access to happiness, but happiness is temporary. And so when you're constantly having to conjure up your own happiness, then you're constantly having to create a life that is built on things that you're trying to hold up so that you can just feel that feeling and it's like a fix. But when we're in the Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what trial or tribulation that we face, 
we have access to joy, and that joy becomes strength. A few months ago, I went through a uh, what they call a prolonged miscarriage. And so what that means is that it's not just like a one-day thing. It actually took almost a full month. And the Lord really uh, showed up in a different way than I had ever experienced him prior to that. And I remember specifically this one day, I was just gutted. I was tired. I was exhausted emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I was grieving. I was confused. Like miscarriage is something that I I know that God is going to speak through me in the the coming months and years. But um, this is slightly fresh. And I remember getting on the freeway. I just mustered up the energy to tell my sister. And I was driving, and I just felt like I have nothing left. I can barely just drive home. And I just, that, that verse popped into my mind, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I had this opportunity, and I just began to declare that, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I have strength in joy. Joy can be the thing that holds me up. Joy can be the thing that gets me through this. Joy can be the thing that when I pulled up to my house and I saw my kids playing outside, that I could play with them out in the front yard. Joy is our strength. The joy of the Lord is what kept me being able to show up for you guys to come to church. The joy of the Lord being my strength meant I could still cook dinner. The joy of the Lord as my strength meant that I could still invite God into those vulnerable seasons, into those vulnerable moments. The joy of the Lord as my strength meant that I could still be a good wife. The joy of the Lord as my strength means that you can do things that you can't do without it. It's the whole point. Joy closes those cracks in your heart that the enemy wants to come in and plant lies, and create schemes, which leads me to point number two. Joy is protection. Joy is protection. When I was going through that season of my miscarriage, I know that joy protected me from depression. Joy protected me from going back into cycles of anxiety and panic. Joy protected me from hopelessness. Joy protected me from isolating myself from community. Because I had the knowledge and the understanding that I got my strength from the Lord. And if I remained mentally in him, spiritually connected to him, and used joy as the thing that allowed me to still be able to connect to my outside world, then it would seal my mind, seal my heart from what the enemy was trying to do in that season. Joy protects you from victimhood. Can we talk about this? Joy is literally the foolproof way to not becoming a victim. And victimhood is running rampant in the world right now. But again, you have to understand that the world does not have access to joy. So they feed off of 
being a victim because they need people to tell them who they are. They need people to be able to connect to the situations they are. They need people to be able to relate to the emotions that they are going through. But when you have joy, it protects you from being a victim. So I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a few examples, and maybe you can relate or connect so I can explain. Like, I know you get it, but I don't think you really get it. But we're going to get it together, okay? Okay, so rewind. It's 2020. January, we took over the church, and then everything went wild. And there were some very hard months in there. Uh, Mike and I were new pastors, and I remember there were many days when I had two choices to make. It was like a fork in the road. So I could go left to victimhood. Like, don't they know that I didn't choose this life for me? Like, why are they being so mean to me? Why are they calling me so many names? Why do they expect things out of me that I can't fix for them? Like, I don't, do they even know? And I would just start reeling in my mind, like, victim, victim, victim. I'm a victim here. Or I could choose joy that says, in my mind, as a declaration, God, I am so honored that you chose me to pastor in one of the most intense seasons that our world has ever gone through. How amazing that I get to bring wisdom, that I get to bring your Holy Spirit. The joy that protects you from falling into that trap that's a pit, it's a dark hole. The joy of the Lord is our protection. Or for all the parents in the house, 2020, let me just set a little scene for you, okay? Our phone is ringing off the hook. It was the month of George Floyd. It was crazy. We were all trying to sort out a lot. Meanwhile, my sister and her three small children, twin four-year-olds, actually they were three at the time, twin three-year-olds, a one-year-old, my three-year-old and one-year-old, they moved back from Japan and had to quarantine for two weeks in our house. While my husband lost his office downtown, he was working in our house on calls with like government people. It was wild, you guys. It was, I, there were some moments in there that I think my brain erased to just protect me from it. But again, I had a choice to make. Don't be, like, is anyone seeing what my life is like? Like, people should be bringing me presents and meals and like, they should really be nice to me. If they only knew, like, my kids are going crazy, my husband's mad at me, my dog is biting our kids. We had to get rid of our dog, which was a whole nother thing. I, I know it's funny now, but in the moment it was not funny. And I had some moments where I was throwing myself a huge pity party, but nobody was showing up to the table except me. <laughs> Even my husband's like, you're going to have to suck it up. You're going to have to suck this up and you're going to have to just figure it out. I'm like, you did. I remember it. Oh, you know what? This is what my husband did, okay? <clears throat> he took a piece of blue masking tape and he taped the hallway leading to his office. And then he gathered the whole family and he said, everyone, do you see this line? On this side of the line, you guys can be here. 
on this side of the line, this is Mike's space. And you are not to cross that line. But he wasn't just talking to all of the children, he was talking to my sister and I too. It was very difficult, guys. Very difficult. But again, I had a choice to make. Would I allow my mind to go down the road of being a victim, or would I access joy, the balm that seals you off from all those lies that will create resentment towards your spouse, will create exhaustion towards raising your kids? I had a choice, and you know what? Some of the sweetest memories were made when we were all stuffed crammed into our house. What a joy that we had an opportunity to be there for our kids and create a bubble where they weren't exposed to all the crazy of the world. What a joy that we got to be there 24-7 together learning how to be a family in a new season. What a joy it is that now we have relationships with our kids that weren't there before 2020. We have choices to make. But joy protects us from going down the road of victimhood. Or if I'm being, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. This is like fresh. It's okay, babe. It doesn't include you. It's just me. <laughs> You're a great husband. Um, so when, you know, we fought in prayer, we fought with, you know, giving finance, we really wanted to see this construction project happen. Like we saw the vision, we ran after it. And this is a word in here for some of you guys, because you'll get so excited about crossing that finish line. Like when we were awarded the project, it was like, oh my gosh, we did it. I can't believe how amazing God is. And then I got to the office and I started like, we have Slack, it was like blink, 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 blink. Like my inbox was like 2000. <laughs> Like, hey, where's kids' church going to go? Hey, um, how's junior high going to work? How's this ministry going to work? Where are we going to put people? How are we going to move the chairs? And I have to tell you guys, like, I am a type B personality, okay? That means I'm go with the flow. I am repelled by micromanagement. It literally disgusts me. <laughs> and I am a people person. And so for the past... Two years, I have been all about the people. I love being a pastor. But then God put me in this position. He said, okay, it's time for you to get some new skills. It's time for you to learn how to expand your capacity. And I had some choices to make. Was I going to be a victim and look for approval of man, and woe is me, and you should be sending me 10 employees to do all these things. Like, are you guys crazy? Do you know my personality? And I had a choice to make. Was I gonna be a victim, or would I receive joy in being able to embrace what God is trying to cultivate on the inside of me? Because here's the honest truth. If I had not gone through what I have gone through the past month or so, what's coming in the next few years would crush me. I have to learn what God is doing. And if I don't lean into joy, it will put a ceiling on my, not just my capacity, but my influence. It will put a ceiling on how I'm able to relate to people. And I don't want that. As hard as 
these seasons are of growth, I want to embrace that because I want the vision to actually be fulfilled. Like, we are not stopping with just this. We want, it, we want our city saved. Like, this region of San Diego, we are dead set on, on planning and launching new campuses. If I can't even handle one campus, how is God going to entrust me with 10? So in your own life, maybe instead of making excuses or being a victim to your circumstances, maybe God is actually trying to do something on the inside of you to be able to prepare you for that raise, for that promotion, for the things he has for you, for more kids, for a marriage down the road. And if we can't embrace what God is trying to do and we go down the victim route, we'll never get there. The end path for victim is nowhere. But when we choose joy, it allows us to be strong in what God is doing and to enjoy our life. You know, and joy is just in joy and joy. So maybe we need to just enjoy the journey that we're on and have some flexibility in regards to what God is trying to do on the inside of us. And before I move on to my last point, I want to bring up one other thing that joy protects us from, or joy protects, and that is our worship. Joy protects our worship. So let me explain. When we are worshiping, if, if we start being motivated by external circumstances that dictate how we worship God, then that actually becomes idolatry. And when we understand the power of joy, and I want to actually ask, I, I was convicted by this in worship, which is why I put this into my message. Is it enough for you to solely have fullness of joy in who God is and let that be your only source for why you worship? Because it is really easy, again, to worship when you're on the mountaintop and you just got the keys to your new house and you're on easy street. But when there are trials, when the word says that we have to have fullness of joy when we go through those trials, how does that translate to your worship? Can you lift your hands high and really focus on the goodness of who God is, no matter what your circumstances are? Because as a pastor, if we only create these marshmallow experiences for people to connect with God, then we are not doing our job. And I would, honest, I would put myself out there and say that even before the commission of making disciples, if we don't help you understand how to worship, it doesn't even matter. Because what are you going to make? What disciples are you going to make? We are created to give glory to God, and we were created to worship. And if we miss this, and if we can't actually do those checks on our own heart of, is my joy coming from anything outside of you, then that's actually idolatry. And I found myself a few weeks ago during worship thinking like, man, I, I could really use some encouragement. Like in worship, I could really use some encouragement, God. I'm really being stretched right now, and I really, and it was like this ping in my spirit. The Holy Spirit said, am I not enough? Am I not enough for you? 
Now, I'm not, I'm, community is important, and actually, yes, you do need to be encouraged by your community and surround yourself with good people and be planted in the house of God. But I'm talking about worship right now. If your worship is so needy that you can't solely receive and, and lift up your worship to God, then that idolatry, you look in the Bible how it ends. It ends in destruction. It ends with um, being completely out of tune. And you see it all throughout the world. They literally put up like a gold statue in New York of all these people that have died and they've worshipped them. It's like we are made to worship and we're going to worship something. But we need to make sure and joy is the, the best way that I have found that keeps my heart pure when it comes to worship. Does that make sense? Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice is just having joy over and over and over. And you hear it in worship songs a lot. But it's allowing that flow of joy through the Holy Spirit to be continual. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your joy be lifted up to the heavens. Let God be lifted up to his rightful place. The fact that we get to worship a God that is love, a God that is good, is so amazing. It's so amazing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will get, say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. You see, I believe that there is so much purpose in seasons of demolition. And it's messy and there's debris everywhere, but it allows you to see your foundation. And my prayer for us this morning is that we would be able to lay a foundation of joy to build a life on that is on a rock, that's not going to be swayed, and it's going to allow us to worship God in the way that he deserves to be worshipped. Joy is our protection. John 15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Which leads me to my last point. Joy is our harvest. Joy is our harvest. So the word says that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So what that means is that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you have access to all these amazing gifts that are metaphorically given to us as fruit. Now, the interesting thing about fruit is a lot of fruit is what leads to a harvest. But what I want to bring to your attention first is that because joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit, you can't have joy apart from the Holy Spirit. And this should be a great encouragement to you because you don't have to muster it up on your own. You don't have to conjure it up. And um, actually, earlier on in John 15, it shares how to produce this fruit. It says in John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So what that verse is saying, and I love that it talks about the fullness of joy, is when God is fully in us and we are fully in him. But that is actually through the metaphor of the vine and the branches. And that fruit grows off of the branches. 
when we are connected into the vine. And so when we are connected to God, after we become a Christian and we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have access to joy. But there's another thing when you think about joy as a fruit. Every fruit starts out as what? A seed. A seed. So if we look at joy as a seed, there's a responsibility component to that. Because all through the New Testament, Jesus talks about what happens to seed. It's always going to get contested for. The enemy is going to try to steal that seed. The enemy is going to try to create different foundations of rocks or pebbles where that seed won't be able to fully take root. But when we have the Holy Spirit and when we have a heart that is like fertile soil and we plant ourselves in a house like this that is good soil, then it produces good fruit. And I want to challenge us today, how are we protecting that seed? How are we protecting the joy that God has put as access on the inside of our hearts through Him and only Him? John 15.10 says this, If you keep my command, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in His love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, we have to water that seed. We have to actually read our Bibles and we have to do what our Bibles say. And it's so simple, but there's always gonna be attack and resistance when it comes to it. Because when we fully let that joy become a harvest in our life, it becomes a beacon to a world that is so hopeless. There's so much despair, there's so much fear. And they want what we have. And when they see it, there's that opportunity to be able to share with them the love of Jesus, to share with them the gospel that has transformed us. But it has to start with us. We have to let the Holy Spirit transform us. We have to say yes to watering the seeds of the fruit of the Spirit so that they can grow. We have to be determined that we are going to remain as a branch connected to the vine. We have to be resolute in our mental ability to discern what is a lie that leads to victimhood, that leads to despair, and what is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Joy only comes to us through Jesus. And that is the good news of the gospel this morning, church, that we have access to fullness of joy. God is wanting to take us out of a season where we have had old mentalities and maybe they are generational. Maybe your parents, your grandparents have a bent towards negativity, towards uh, pessimism, towards narcissism. Maybe all you have ever seen in how to think and act is something so totally different than this message that I'm giving you today, but can you just take heart that when you make that choice, when you choose joy, when you allow joy to be your foundation, then it just melts off all of that residue. It breaks off the generational curses and it gives you a pathway into fullness of everything that God has for you. Amen. I'm gonna end with this and then pray. Psalm 16, 11, it says, 
You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Church, if you can stand to your feet, I just want you to close your eyes, bow your heads. And I wanna give space for you to actually be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning because it's the only way to access joy. It's very black and white. So if you're in here this morning and you have either never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step. Or if you have never received the Holy Spirit, I just want you to raise your hand. I wanna pray over you. If you have looked at people that have joy and thought, I want that, I wanna have that. I wanna have joy as my strength. I wanna be protected from the torment I want to step into responsibility. I want to be able to endure a storm. Just go ahead and lift your hand. I'm gonna pray over you. Just hands all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you today and you wanna receive the Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit. Maybe you've just felt so much resistance when it comes to reading your word, when it comes to hearing the voice of God over the voice of the world or over your own voice, just go ahead and lift your hand. Your hands all over the room. Thank you, God. I'm just gonna pray over you. And then um, if you wanna come up to the front after, we have our response team that can pray as well. But God, I just thank you for every hand lifted. I thank you for their courage, God, to say no more. I'm stepping into something new. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. With the authority given to me through Jesus Christ, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, right now that you are breaking off generational curses. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that they will experience fullness of joy in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that no matter what comes their way, they know they have full access to you. They have power, love, and a soundness of mind. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that everything is going to shift. I declare that the seeds of the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, endurance. God, I pray that you would begin to water those seeds on the inside of their hearts, that they would step into more, God. They would step into a new way of thinking, that they would leave behind a victim mentality and say yes to joy. And I thank you, God, that their worship's gonna be different, how they read their Bible is gonna be different, how they interact with family and friends is gonna be different. God, I declare that you would open their ears to hear your word, to hear your voice. I thank you, Jesus, that everything is changing. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.